It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episodes 13, 13-2, and 13-3 The Warm Welcome, The Cold Farewell, and The River and the Stork This week's chapters are significant to me. They signify a turning point in my adaptation. These three are where I really began to take Oz and reshape it into my own distorted view. In the warm welcome, we find Dorothy and Mr. traveling the countryside. The Munchkin village they end up staying at is kind of a Mayberry type of town. I always imagine it in my head as maybe even a place that existed before Mayberry. Shoot. Sorry, kids. Mayberry was a town featured in the TV series The Andy Griffith Show which ran from 1960 to 1968. It was a wholesome town, in a time and world vastly different from today. You know what? Just Google it. Or YouTube it or something. Anyway, I picture this village as a nice little place, and even though I say the kids are running around kicking a ball, I actually imagine them hoop-rolling. Okay, jeez. Uh, this is an activity that was popular in the 20s, which, usually children, would roll a hoop along the road or sidewalk by hitting it with a stick. I figured kicking a ball would be easier to explain and much more relatable than hoop rolling, and I think I just proved myself right. Okay, so enough history by Tyler. Let's get back to the book. There is actually a chapter of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz that coincides with this one, one where Dorothy and company stay in a munchkin village and get a little bit of a light warning about the wizard. That chapter, however, is also the chapter in which we meet the wizard, and since meeting him is still a few chapters away in my story, I decided to hold off on it. We meet Marvin here, the mayor of this little town. I feel this is kind of a missed opportunity here. I should have named him Bach. You know, that munchkin mayor Dorothy met earlier on in the wonderful Wizard of Oz. Don't know why I called him Marvin, but here we are, and that's his name. I love Marvin. He's so animated and fun. He has an energy about him that we don't really get from anyone else. If, by some miracle, this book was ever to be turned into a movie or show or some strange Netflix adult animated series, I would love to hear John O'Hurley play the part. Obviously, some fancy effects would need to be done in case of a live-action production. He always seemed pretty tall. Seemed. Is John O'Hurley still alive? I don't think he is. 
All right, this is this is going to drive me nuts. Just just a second here. Okay, whoo, all good, everyone. Well, Hurley, still kicking. I'm not even going to explain who he was. You might not know him by name, but you definitely know him by voice. Just, I don't know, look him up on IMDb or something. I feel scatterbrained today. All right, where was I? Oh, right. I wanted the town to feel alive and populated. Hence the kids and the tour of the town with the colorful locals that, you know, really contribute little to nothing to the actual plot. There is also a strange moment when we see Mr. is maybe a little more human than we initially thought. He seems pretty interested in Marvin's wife, and she seems oddly interested in him as well. You're a damned scarecrow, is one of my all-time favorite lines in the book. Not gonna lie about that. Anyway... We get a feeling for some of the other oddities of Oz here as well. The strange meat, the vegetables that defy natural senses and good taste. We also get a fun story about the Great Munchkin War. Honestly, I would love to write a short story or something about this Munchkin War. It feels like a bad 90s sitcom or a Saturday morning cartoon that just never got developed. Imagine each week... The Gillikins trying to do something evil or mean, only to be thwarted by the good-natured munchkins. We also get a brief history lesson from Marvin here as well. He describes an encounter with the wizard at a young age, tells of the wizard's tall tales, and regales Dorothy with a story of the witches. I went for some material that some might deem offensive here as well. Why? Can't really say. I guess it just seemed like a good idea at the time. Whether it was or not, well, that's entirely up to the reader and their own personal beliefs. The description of the wizard is certainly a detail of American history. If you didn't pick up on who the wizard is yet, I'll give you to the end of the book. And if you still haven't managed to figure it out by then, well, you can hit me up and I'll let you know. Moving on to the cold farewell, we find Dorothy yet again fearing for her life, or at the very least, her safety. This chapter takes place exclusively in a small room of Marvin's home. I wanted it to be tense and nerve-wracking. I can watch horror movies all day, no problem. Bloody, gory, gross. If there's a stalker out there making calls or attacking babysitters and sororities, they really aren't scaring me. Make it a home invasion story, and I guarantee you I'm sleeping with the lights on. Anyway, The Cold Farewell is just that. It's a short home invasion story. It also leaves plenty to the imagination. There's some gore in the earlier chapters and some in the later chapters as well, but this one in particular is really more about being trapped, the fear of no escape, and the fear of what might be on the other side of the door. We also get a sense of Mr.'s hopes and dreams. His desire to live in a small town and be a good functioning part of society is nothing short of heartwarming. His sense of loyalty to Dorothy, it's also very encouraging. The idea that Marvin survived whatever horrors the witches brought upon the land, but couldn't survive the devastation that follows Dorothy, 
is also one of tremendous heartache. If not for her and his pure kindness, he would never have been killed. Mabel would never have been killed. The queen of the field mice would never have been killed for that matter. We also get a sense of remorse from the lion in this chapter. His cowardice isn't quite the same as the cowardice that we see in the Wizard of Oz version of the lion. It's not being afraid of everything. It's something more deep and more psychological than anything. He's clearly being controlled by the woodman here, and is really just maybe afraid to be on his own. Chapter 12, The River and the Stork, find Dorothy and Mister on their way once more. This chapter brings into light the emotional toll Dorothy's mere existence takes on her. Just being alive is soul-crushing at this point. And even though she may not know it yet, it's gonna get worse. The woodman further cements himself as a villain here. At this point, it feels like he's almost more of a Batman villain than anything. He's not necessarily out to hurt Dorothy, but more out to just mess up her plans. I even say it in the book. He just wanted to F up her day and inconvenience her. Dorothy and Mister need to cross a river, and the woodman is just like, <laughs> Cross this lady. How you like me now? And, of course, sabotages it. It's a happy accident when the bridge collapses, and an even happier accident when Mister gets swept away in the debris. Like... How happily surprised would Elmer Fudd be if he actually caught Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck? We meet my version of the stork here as well. I said it before, and I'll say it again. I love the stork. He's one of my favorites. He's fun, he's lovable, he's genuinely nice, and he's got that goofy voice. In my reading of the bomb version, I voiced the stork as kind of... Not enthused about helping, but still helpful no less. My version is almost too happy to help. Dorothy literally tries to stop him from helping, and he's just not having it. The voice I chose for the stork is largely inspired by my all-time favorite podcast, the now-defunct Mystic Party. It was juvenile, crass, vulgar, and oftentimes gross. And if you know me, you know that's extremely far from my usual sense of humor. No, really. I hate, hate, 98% of the low-brow or crude humor that lands in front of me. I don't even like fart jokes. And just saying the words fart jokes makes me cringe. I know you can't see it because this is an audio podcast, but I just cringed. Anyway... The voice of the stork draws inspiration from the episode of the Mystic Party titled Sexual Ghosts in Echo Park. That should be a clear indicator of what you're getting yourself into right there. It's from November of 2015, just to let you know how much of an effect that show had on me, and still has on me to this day, in April of 2021. We see the guilt that washes over Dorothy. She tried to keep the stork safe. She really, really did. But his demise was just unavoidable. A fact that further reinforces their decision to quietly leave the Munchkin Village as a good decision. I chose to make my stork as nice as possible. 
just like the queen of the field mice, I wanted it to hurt when he was inevitably killed. There isn't really much more to say about these chapters, so I suppose I'll just leave it at that. Come back next week for episodes 14, 14-2, and 14-3. That's chapters 14 and 15 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, Nitfis, and That Much Closer. And, of course, the usual aftermath. Wizard of Oz will return in the week that follows. Thanks for listening. I love you all.